Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most artistic, athletic, tenacious, basically unique and interesting people in the world. Everyone has a story, each person a scholar. Welcome to season three. As we continue to seek out some of the most unforgettable humans, some of the most memorable stories, in the first two seasons, the show featured guests from over 60 different countries and will continue down that path because it is imperative that we cherish the differences. And we can only do that by getting out and journeying into unknown frontiers, whether it be physically or simply through conversation, sharing lovely experiences and saluting the tenacious and resilient guests. Brilliant, brilliant episode for you today as we have a wonderfully talented musician, American singer from Los Angeles, Nicole Rose Carson joins the show. Gosh, we've had a lot of great singers and performers on lately, and today's guest keeps that vibe going. Originally from the Bay Area, Nicole was opera trained before moving to LA in 2005 on a vocal scholarship. She graduated from Musicians Institute and began performing with multiple bands. Nicole classifies herself as a hard rock metal singer and screamer, and she also works as an event producer in the entertainment industry. Now, in today's episode, Nicole talks about her classical training and how that has specifically helped her in the world of rock. Nicole also chats about getting the right mindset for a performance. Lastly, we talk about the different projects she has going, including working on an album with the band Awake Through Sleep, and how that differs from some of the projects she's had in the past. Now, at the end of today's episode, stick around for a short snippet of one of Nicole's newest tracks called Daddy's Falling Angel. And to hear more of Nicole and all of the other musical guests on the show, just search the playlist Any Given Runway Guests on Spotify. You can hear the wide variety of musical guests that we've had on the show. It's incredibly eclectic playlists, like all playlists should be. And there are some tremendously talented musicians on there. All right, let's get to it. Excited for you guys to meet her. So let's go ahead and bring on professional vocalist and live performer, Nicole Rose Carson, and let's learn. I got to say, of the nearly 500 episodes we've had, we're coming up on episode 500. You have the most feng shui, just nice, minimalistic oh. like background, but very, very aesthetically pleasing at the same time. I feel very comfortable. <laughs> it's not overwhelming. Uh, I, it's a great background. Oh, thanks. Yeah, my little office. I was like, well, I'm going to be working from home. I'm going to need to make myself an office. I like, so. the, I like the door. Or Is it a door or is that a window? Oh, that's my closet. It's a, it's a fantastic closet yeah, door. It's a closet. And like I, I haven't been able to put it. I have a bunch of like music. Uh, stuff I want to put on the wall. I just haven't had, you know. I don't know. I, I like the I minimalistic. Like, I like the minimal. I don't know. I don't know if it needs anything else. Yeah. Well, there's a wall on this side that's like a big wall that okay. you can't see, but it's like blank. And that drives me nuts. I got to okay. put something on there. Okay. I actually have a really cool music. Um, the guy, my framing guy, he's making this like, um, basically I gave him like conflict. So I had, when I was a kid, I used to save all my stubs. Mm. So it was like my stubs, my set list, my, my, all access passes, my drumsticks I would catch, right? All this stuff. And I gave it to my framing guy. And I was like, make something cool. Like, make something I can hang up. So basically, he's taking a year. It's going to take him a year. But he's like, backing. he's putting little backings on all the tickets. There's probably like hundreds of them. Stubs. He's going to put little backings on them. And he's going to make a cool little thing. So I want to stick that on that wall. That's going to be like a big like project. 
You fantastic, know. fantastic. And I'm curious to find out who some of those artists were and some of those tickets that you saw. But before I talk about that, your own musical background, I'm curious about what was it that you first got into music? What were your earliest inspirations? Also, what did you play? Did you play any instruments? So I started on guitar when I was a kid. So basically, like what happened was my parents, they put me in choir, right? It all starts with choir. So I was in choir. I think I started in like first grade choir. I mean, I was young, but I loved singing. I loved being around people. I loved being the center of attention, they said, uh, which is not surprising because like that's just, I'm a loud center of attention type of person now, but I like to be center of attention. So they put me in choir and then, you know, my dad would listen, like he was very much into like Rolling Stones, Beach Boys, Pat Benatar. Um, He used to play a lot of like, you know, Zeppelin. So it was like kind of a lot of rock, beach, uh, beach rock, you know, classic rock stuff. And so he kind of grew up, like I grew up listening to a lot of that around my dad. And my dad's side of the family is very musical. So like my great grandma was like an opera singer. My grandpa who passed away, he was a, a concert pianist and an artist, right? So like a lot of music in my family. But I used to like just kind of walk around singing like Mickey Mouse Club pop, pop music, honestly. Like I was a kid, I loved, I was in that little Britney Spears era, right? And the, mm-hmm. the pop, the pop music. And I'd, I'd literally walk around my house singing, just singing songs or rock songs. My dad would play and my parents were like, okay, there might be something going on here. So I was, uh, they were like, well, let's have her learn guitar. So my dad bought me, it was like a purple Fender Stratocaster. And I put a ton of stickers on it because I was into like that pop punk emo rock back in the day. Of course. Like Blink-182 was like the first song I ever learned on guitar. And like people laugh at me, but I'm like, no, I was like old school Blink. I mean, we're talking like Cheshire Cat, Buddha, like the first album. I think Eminem. I think Eminem's, that's my favorite song on that one. Yeah. Eminem, yeah. So like, that's what I grew up listening to. It was like a lot of that pop punk, pop rock stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I played guitar. And then from guitar, I went into piano and I had a piano teacher. He'd come like twice a week. I was in guitar lessons once a week. I was singing in the choir in my school. Like I was doing all the things, right? But I kind of fell out of the guitar. I was like, oh, this is fine. It's kind of boring for me. I, st- I didn't fall in love with it, you know? And then piano, I kept playing piano, but I love to sing more. Mm-hmm. So then I kind of just focused on singing, like in the choir, High school, I was in, op- like, my parents put me in opera school. Huh. So, like, I was singing opera, and I was playing some piano, and I was in the choir. Like, I kind of did a lot of, a lot of things. I-, I had to do music. I had to do music. My parents had to put me in some- something music because mm-hmm. they knew I liked to sing. And they knew I liked, you know, I was in, like, a little band back in the day. You know, I loved rock music. I loved to sing opera. I was all over the place. It was yeah. like, no one could keep up with me because I just, I just loved it all. Yeah. But I was always around music. Very cool. Like my grandpa would come over, he would just start playing the piano, writing songs on the spot. Mm-hmm. And I would just start playing with them. We'd sing. It was like always music around. Yeah. Was Cheshire Cat the blue CD? Is it blue? Is that the one that had Eminem on it? That the song Eminem? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I, I actually love that. I listened love to it last week. I was oh, I'm going nice. through a whole I'm going through a whole resurgence man. of like um of like uh, my Chemical Romance and the Use. I'm bringing all that back lately. So. Oh man, yeah, that was like 
the years, it was like, you know, good Charlotte. You had newfound glory. Mm-hmm. I see. I love like the emo rock too. I mean, I love Thursday, Seosin, Rufio, like we could go on and on. Right. But that's like, for me, that's what inspired me when I was yeah. a kid, the yeah. whiny, annoying emo rock that I love still love to this day. And like, that's, that's kind of what made me uh, a little rocker. And then when I moved to LA, I just, I, I just like did it all. Yeah. Is this something that was in your life fully? When did it go from something that just, Hey, I love doing this to You know what? This is a career I could pursue. Honestly, like when I, well, when I started doing opera in high school, um, my, my parents were like, Hey, what do you want to do? Like college is a thing. Like you should start thinking about college too now. It's like, well, I want to like, let's, I want to go to LA. Like I always wanted to move to LA because I knew I was like, if I moved to LA, there's all these clubs, there's all these venues, there's music, blah, blah, blah. But then I was getting scholarships, like from high school, I was getting scholarships to like schools in LA for music, for singing. And then I was like, okay, I might be kind of good at this now, I guess, you know? So then when I moved to LA, it was like, I moved by myself. Like, and I was like out of high school, moved to LA by myself. I was like, oh my God, okay, I'm doing the thing now. And then I was like, oh, okay. I think there's something here. There's all these, co- there's all these labels. You know, I was interning for like two or three different indie rock labels. I was working at Tower Records and then I was singing on a scholarship in school. And I was like, okay, this might be something I'm really good at and that I can actually do. And then I started making money. I was a vocal coach at a rock school. I was doing band coaching at like these rock um, camps. I was doing sessions, right, for singing. And then I just kind of like yeah. started taking off. But then that's when the industry flipped. Um, yeah, see my, my Amazon Alexa agrees with me. It just talked to me randomly in the background. <laughs> that was kind of scary. Uh, but yeah, it was like when I moved here for sure. And I knew things were going to be like a wave mm-hmm. because Napster happened. Things were shutting down. I got scared shitless uh, of like music and what I was going to be doing. So then I kind of pivoted my career and got a whole different degree and something else as a backup. Mm-hmm. But it still always brought me back to performing, writing, yeah. working with bands. But honestly, once I moved here, once I moved here, it was like 2005, 2006. A lot of my, my really good friends were just starting out who are now in big touring bands, like really big bands, mm-hmm. still really good friends. I went to music school here in Hollywood. I went to Musicians Institute and that really helped me open doors and build connections. So kind of when I moved here, I was okay. like, no matter what, I'm going to have a career in this, no matter what I do. Okay. You know? Well, I got to tell you, I love this conversation so far because we've been able to bring up old school Blink-182 Cheshire Cat. We've been, <laughs> able, we've been able to mention... Uh, Tower Records, a place I spent mm-hmm. many a day in. And also we've been able to bring up Natster, another thing that I spent many of hours on. Your background is, is atypical for, for rock, but I'm sure in a lot of ways, there's a lot of advantages of it. In what ways has that been beneficial in the rock world? Oh my God, breathing, okay. uh, technique. Okay. Like when I first started, this is funny, when I moved here and I went to music school, basically I spent almost two years at an opera school classical school, right? I was at Long Beach State. I was singing classical music. And I was like, you know, this is cool, but I want to sing rock. Like, so 
I was like, hey, parents, I want to move to Hollywood and go to this music school called Musicians Institute. They're like, okay. So then they moved me to Hollywood and they sent me to the school. And it was funny because my vocal coach, who's still like a very dear friend of mine now, uh, so many years later, he literally was like, I didn't know how to belt. Mm. So I had no idea how to like belt a note, like a strong, powerful note. Mm. I could sing high head voice, classical music all day. Like I'll go as high as you want. I just couldn't belt. And it was interesting because he was like, okay, you're opposite of like everyone else. Because normally people can belt, but they can't sing anything else. So it took me a lot of like, I had to work really hard to use my training I had, but like to somehow manipulate my voice to fit like more of a rock style. Mm -hmm. And I had no, I, that was the first time I performed really on a big stage, like with a full band, right? Cause I'd performed in like these little whatever, you know, sessions are different. You're in a studio. Um, it's just different. So, but the technique is there. The breathing is there. Like posture is always there. So it gave me a lot of, a lot of good benefits having that training mm -hmm. because I can do a lot now. And like the vibrato too, like, let's say I'm singing, like, like I have a cover band I sing with, right. If I'm doing maiden or something like, I don't have to try vibrato. It just comes out. So like, a lot of transferable skills from one yeah. genre to another. How do you I, keep yourself in the right mindset for a performance? And does the preparation mentally, does that change based on, on venue or is it always the same? Um, for me, it's always the same. So like I do a lot of visualization. So like um, usually if I'm even before like a session or a gig, I try to like maybe the day before, the night before, I usually will like go through my whole set, but like I'll visualize it. Um, so, and it's really interesting because it actually takes the same amount of like energy and muscle memory as if you're singing, but you're not, you're pretending. So you close your eyes and you go through your whole set, literally as if you're singing the set. Um, cool. And like I do my warm ups. obviously my warm-ups before, and I usually try and stay like, I'm really weird, I'm kind of recluse before a show, like I'm kind of to myself mm -hmm. because I'm usually like going through lyrics um, or I'm like doing some like jumping jacks or something to like get me uh, warmed up. I'm doing warm ups, you know, so I have a whole thing, like a whole routine, but yeah, it's usually like visualization, warm ups, stretching because I get, I move a lot. Yeah. Like I'm a headbanger, so I don't want to like get sore and then I can't walk. Yeah. <laughs> the next day. So I stretch and. Yeah, I have like a little routine. I do drinking a ton of water too and all that. Okay. So. Stage presence. Right? Every rock band, right? When we talk about the greatest ones, you always think, but well, this, this guy or this woman has great stage presence. But it's also one of those things that you can't really describe. It's just one of those things like they have mm -hmm. it. This character has it. And we don't really know how to describe it. So when you're trying to have that presence, that, that it factor, how are you developing that? What are ways, tools that you're using to, to have stage presence that is unforgettable? You know what's funny is like people ask me this and I see it's really weird. So when, when I like I'll look back on a performance, I don't remember half of it. Mm. Like I, I truly don't remember half the because I have like these weird quirks I do on stage. Like I make weird faces and I like I kind of like just kind of go like out there. I'm kind of like all out. But for me, it's like you just have to not care. Like I see a lot of performers like kind of hold back because they don't want to like 
Mm-hmm. They don't want to be judged by something they do or like, nah, you, you just have to like feel the note, feel the music. You have to have a good energy with your band. Like I'm really big on that, right? Like perform with good people who you vibe with. Um, but like for me, honestly, like to me, the it is like, you kind of make it what you want it to be. Like my, my it factor is like, I just go and I just don't care what people think. I'm going to jump in the crowd. I'm going to make funny faces. I'm probably going to like grab someone's head and like shake it around and like scream in their face. But you know what? It's fun. Um, and people like it. Uh, and I just think like you, you just can't really care what people think of you on stage. Like I've seen some really crazy stage performances by people. And to me, they're very memorable. Like the guy who climbs up the truss on the side of the stage, that might be kind of dangerous, but I'm going to remember him for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know. You just have to like feel the music and not really care what people yeah. think. You just have to like do you, you know, do you have taken inspiration outside of music? And, and the example that I give is I talked to a couple of professional wrestlers who say that when they're developing their persona, their stage presence, They've looked at politicians, uh, even famous cult figure, one of them used as well. And I, I, was, I was blown away by that. Oh, I love how they've kind of captured and controlled the audience. That's actually a really interesting question. Um, I would say like for me, music is kind of like, it's like acting mm-hmm. in a way. So like, yeah. for, like, cause in a way you're on stage, but you're performing, but you're also kind of acting. I, I agree. Yeah. You know, like, and there's a lot of, for me, it's a lot of like, I'm inspired obviously by female figures. Um, like I mentioned Pat Benatar, cause my dad used to like hound her in my brain. Cause like, I feel like my, my training is very similar to hers with like the opera rock kind of background. But like, there's a lot of really strong female actresses. Like and my mom loves, like, I know it sounds, it might be like common, but like my mom loved Angelina Jolie growing up, like loved her. And we always used to watch movies with like Angelina Jolie mm-hmm. and like, cause she was always just like really strong person. Right. I love Megan Fox. She's not only cause she's hot, but like, I just feel like, I just like the way she talks too. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like she's very poised. I don't know. Like not saying their influences for me, but it was like the strong women, like, you know, that my mom loved like princess Diana. She okay. was always, she was like always talking about princess Diana when I was a kid. Yeah. She was obsessed with her. Yeah. And I was like, always would watch videos of how she walked and how she spoke. Right. It's like this poise. Mm-hmm. And I always thought to myself like, Oh man, I want to be like a strong, like influential woman when I grow up. And then I get to like becoming who I am as a person. And I'm just like, like wild rocker metal lady. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, I was always surrounded by women, whether it was someone talking about it, talking about somebody or watching a movie that my mom had these favorite women. Um, it was really interesting. And then now in metal, there's like not many women. So like in this moment, you know, like Maria Brink is very inspiring to me. Lizzie Hale. I love her. Like, it's just nice to see other women Mm -hmm. who like can really control an audience and like get the attention of people. That's kind of how I am. Okay. Like if I'm performing, you'll know it because I'm going to get your attention. Yeah. And I just feel like it kind of comes as like a 360 for like who influenced me growing up or who I, who I would always hear the names to. Right. It's like, these are people I always heard their names. I was like, okay, they're strong women. Yeah. They're influential to somebody. You know what I mean? 
I do. And it, she's really not is. metal, but she's rock. And so Karen O, Karen O is my. Karen O, yeah. I love Karen Yeah, yeah. So currently you're working on an album with Awake Through Sleep. So tell me about the creative process. How's that been? And what's a typical recording session like for you guys? Um, it's been a long process. Mm -hmm. So basically Awake Through Sleep started um, during COVID. Mm -hmm. I, my friend Jason, um, he, you know, he, we performed a lot together. And I met him through Musicians Institute. And I kind of just went up to him one day and I was like, hey, you know, do you, I really want to start a new metal project. I've always wanted to. This was like a good time to do it. Do you have any music already written? You know, what do you got? And we, he ended up pulling out like all these songs that he kind of wrote like back in the day. Like we're talking, you know, think of like old school Kill Switch Engage, old school Avenge, thrashy, but like progressive. Mm -hmm. um, Between the Barrier to Me is his favorite band. So like that kind of like mishmash of like, those influences together and we just ended up like making a band honestly it kind of happened fast i was like okay let's pick a name got our logo done started writing lyrics started you know getting songs done right i have a keyboard player that i knew we brought him in he started writing all these parts to all these songs and we kind of had like we had a solid 10 songs that we now are finishing like Currently, I'm getting all the vocals done, trying to finish those. It's a process because, like, for me, it's been really difficult with COVID. Mental health was a big thing for me. So a lot of the songs were, like, written about mental health, feeling a little bit uncertain in mm -hmm. here. You know, like, where is the world going? What are, what's the industry coming to? Feeling hopeless, but then, like, kind of rising up from that hopelessness. So a lot of it's, like, a theme of that that kind of a theme um right now i think i have only like maybe four songs left to finish vocals for it's an interesting process because like we usually come up with a, a plan before so like if we're going in the studio to record vocals like i have a session on saturday but i already know what i'm doing on saturday so i'm preparing this week of like remembering my parts working on my parts like you know practicing a lot so that when we go in, it's like this collaboration between Jason, myself, and our, our engineer, who are, you know, a good friend of mine. And then it's just like, it's fun. Sessions are fun, you know, like we kind of like, we mess around, you know, we'll joke around. But like, he's also that guy that's like, if I'm that much off of a note, he makes me do it 20, 30 times until I get the note, you know? Yeah. So it's a lot of work recording for me because I could be doing screaming, which I can't usually do screaming recording for more than two hours, two, three hours, or I could be doing singing because the songs are both. It's like 80% screaming, you know, 20% singing. So it's coming in with a plan, recording. We usually get multiple takes mm -hmm. of like every part. It's a lot. It's a lot of work. People don't know how much work goes into like a session, but it's yeah. all about preparation. Tea, rest, water, warming up. Um, I try and post little snippets of videos here and there because I think it's fun mm -hmm. for people to see. Cause they're like, they're like, you can't really sound like that. I'm like, <laughs> okay, well listen to this video. And then yeah. it's like, oh, okay. She actually does know how to like yeah. scream on key and on cue, you know? There was a word that you said that really stayed with me and that was uncertainty. So in times of uncertainty, 
what do you do? It doesn't even have to be music related. When you don't know the answer and there's the frustration that comes with it, what do you do? What do you turn to? Oh man, I don't like no, I don't like that feeling either because mm -hmm. I'm very like in control of what I'm doing. Like for me, I try and just like you have to build your own, you have to build your own path, right? So mm -hmm. I didn't know if music was coming back. I was laid off from a job as in events, right? So I was doing events as a my full time job is like a production manager, right? So in events, so I got laid off from a job. I couldn't perform music. I had no outlet. And for me, it was like, okay, I can either sit here and be really depressed and not knowing what's happening, or I can try and at least build a path. So then I started this band. And then I started to at least write and get things out that I was holding in um, with the music, right? And I relied on my friends, my family. Um, everyone was very scared about everything going on. Right. But I was like, you know what? No, F it. I'm going to like try and like build my path. Um, and I kind of focus on my band. Like I focus a lot of energy on the music I was writing mm -hmm. and that helped, that helped me taking side jobs here and there, you know, if I could, um, mm -hmm. luckily those were still kind of happening like side gigs here and there, but it was like, I focused all my energy on music. Yeah. That's like all I could do because I had no other outlet. Um, and that was hard. Like I'm a performer. So having to like get myself in the studio more than I was used to was like hard mm -hmm. for me. Like it took practice. Yeah. Because I'm used to like performing. Recording. With all that, I love that you use this as an opportunity to be more creative and you kind of double down on your own skills. What do you feel is the biggest life lesson that you learned from the last 18 months? Man, I always tell people this, like, and I know this is very cliche, but I, I'm like a firm believer in like, you, you literally have, like, you only live once, like, stop keeping, like, stop preventing yourself from being happy is honestly like, if you don't like your job, leave your job. If you don't like what, I don't know, if you don't like what you're doing, change it. Like, no one's going to come to you and change your life. Like if COVID taught me one thing, it's you have to do what you want to do. Like I don't answer to anybody, you know, like I'm single. I do what I want to do. I have a dog who's currently asleep and she's my little road dog. And if I like, there's been times I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take my laptop and I'm going to go work from, I'm going to go to San Diego for like two days, or I'm going to go on a road trip somewhere and I'm going to work from there. Like I just kind of do what I want. Yeah. And people I've noticed have been very like envious of that mentality of like, oh man, I wish I could just get up and like I'm a Disney girl. So like I go to Florida sometimes and I went to Florida during the past few years. Like I would just literally go like, Hey, I'm just going to go. And people are like, how do you do that? I'm like, mm -hmm. you just do what you want to do. Like if I'm not happy in a job, I'm going to leave it and I'm going to find something else. Yeah. Like, well to me, that's just, that's just like the one thing I've learned is just make yourself happy. No one's going to make you happy. Do what you want to do with your life. It may be cliche, but cliche points usually are right, usually are correct. So I think it's great. What's uh, your dog's name? Metal Mia. Metal Mia. Fantastic. Yeah. I wish she was uh, more awake, but uh, she's uh, my old chihuahua. 
She's my rescue chihuahua and she literally sleeps all day. It's great. She's the most non-chihuahua chihuahua <laughs> you'll ever meet, but she's my little road dog. She, I got her actually during COVID okay. during lockdown and like, I don't know what I would do without her. So, I mean, she's, she's my baby. Yeah. Well, thank you for rescuing her. I've been curious about this ever since we started chatting today about those concert tickets. So oh, yeah. let's go, let's oh, go back. God. Let's go back. Let's go back. Yeah. First concert you ever attended was what? <laughs> You're going to laugh. I, I, I uh, imagine it's going to be one that you went with, with your family. And so it's it, was my, it was with my dad. Okay. Um, so people laugh at me because they expect it to be like some rock concert. Ooh, I'm, uh, Beach Boys? Can, is it Beach Boys? No. So okay. It, okay. So <laughs> I'll say this. I'll preface this. I was a teeny bopper when I was a kid. Like we're talking like middle school. I was young. Fair enough. Yeah. Elementary school. Probably, no, no. I was in like second. I mean, I was young, like right. elementary school. And I was a teeny bopper. I loved the Backstreet Boys. Okay. I was one of those kids, those crazy. It, it didn't last very long. It was like a phase. My first concert ever with my dad was the Backstreet Boys. Okay. And I have no shame in saying that because after that, all I did was go to Warp Tour and I went to OzFest and I went to like, like, I think my next show after that was like Lincoln Park, POD, mm. Puddle of Mud, System of a Down. And that was with my mom. And I remember we were sitting at the top, like at the top level of the arena in San Jose. And the mosh pit was like a wave. It was like, you know, like those crazy mosh pits. And yeah. I go, mom, mom, I want to go down there. <laughs> and she goes, nope. 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 Yeah. But like my parents were really, really cool. Like. They were the parents that would drop me off at Shoreline Amphitheater, which is a amphitheater up in the Bay Area mm -hmm. where I grew up. They would drop me off at like, like I mentioned, Warp Tour, or we had this festival called BFD. Mm -hmm. and that was like Atari's Papa Roach and stuff, you know, she would, they would drop me off and say, okay, we'll see you later. Yeah. Like, we'll pick you up in eight hours. Yeah. And I would just be in my little Atticus t-shirt with my red hair and my DC shoes and my Dickies and whatever. And I was this little kid going in the crowds. Like that's, it was funny because I had this like pop phase mm -hmm. and then it kind of died away. And then I was going to like all these rock concerts. It was just funny. I was a weird kid, man. It was, it was like, my mom was like, you went from like loving this like pop. You had this like pop phase, you know? And then all of a sudden you were into like punk rock. And then I was like, everything was punk, metal. Uh, it was such a funny thing. Like I would have like my emo phase where I dress in all black, which I still do clearly. And I would be like, you know, in my like system of a down oversized t-shirt with like my red streaks in my hair, like in my black lipstick. It was like such a thing. I was like such a weird kid. <laughs> Fantastic. Show that you've attended in person that is your all time favorite. That's a hard question. It's hard when you've been to so many concerts mm -hmm. because I've been to those club shows, like small club size shows that like memory, you know, I remember, mm -hmm. I remember, but then I've been to like festivals. Uh, and, yeah. Like the warp tour. Yeah. Um, no. Oh yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. warp tours for me growing up were a big deal Yeah. because that's when I, you know, yellow card. Mm -hmm. um, I love, like I mentioned, I love that kind of music. I love mm -hmm. NFG. You know, growing up, I love Simple Plan. I loved MXPX. I still do all these, you know. I would say for me, um, so I'm a huge Maiden fan. Like, for me, people used to call me like a female version of Bruce Dickinson. 
because I have like a powerful vibrato heavy voice. And probably when I got to work Maiden. So I, I actually did production for a Maiden concert. And not only working with this artist I love since I was like, you know, for a long, long time, like that's very inspiring to me as an artist, but like working that show with the artist and then seeing it come together, that was like really special. And I got to obviously watch the concert because I was the one in charge of. How about historical show that you did not attend, but will be top of your list if you could visit and go back? I really want, so I don't know if you've seen Ramstein's um, most current production. Not their current one, but I did listen to Duhas last week. I'll say yeah, that. Yeah, so I'm not the biggest Ramstein fan in terms of all, like, I, I, love, I love all music. I mm -hmm. like Ramstein, but their production on their shows, I would love to see that show live okay. because if you saw, if you Googled right now, Ramstein production, it's, okay. it's the stage is like, I can't even tell you how many LEDs. It's just as a production person, someone that like actually does production for big events. Yeah. It makes you go, oh. yeah. you know, and like the fire, the pyro elements, the led elements. It's like a 360 stage. It's a humongous touring stage. And it's probably one of the most amazing stages I've seen in a long, a long time. Awesome. So yeah. I would love to see that show in person. Awesome. I, I've seen Metallica. I've seen all those big, you know, I've seen Slayer. I've seen all the big, I want to see this show. Yeah. Ramstein's show. Metallica was the only one I ever went to where uh, the pyro and the LED and everything was, was, was too bright. I had to look away. And I was, I was not even in the front. I was pretty cool. Oh, wow. It was so bright. And you could feel the heat off of, while they were performing one. That is wow. probably my all-time favorite. Now, but. That's cool. Yeah. Metallica's great live. I mean, man, I mean, I, I've, I, I can't even count how many shows I've either been to or like worked, you know, yeah. I yeah. mean. I love bands like, I mean, Rise Against, I got to work Rise Against. I love those guys. You know, I mentioned Maiden. Um, my first concert in my, I opened a stadium here in LA and the first concert we did was Wango Tango. Mm -hmm. That was different for me because it was pop. Yeah. But I got to work with Marshmallow, who's really dope. You know, and then we kind of went into like more metal, mm -hmm. you know, like we did some metal shows. It was fun, you know, like they're yeah. all different. They're all different, but they're fun. Yeah. Um, I saw Rush you know, with the full band before he died. So that yeah. was really special. I love Rush. I love Rush. Um, so I got to see Rush. God, there's so many. Stones, you know, I got to see the Stones with my dad. Um, there's too many. There's yeah. too many shows, man. I go to too many shows, too. They're not a thing is going to too many shows. That's and, like, and it's like, I used to work for these bands back in the day, like these indie at these indie labels. And so recently I got to go see a bunch of bands I used to work with. Mm -hmm. um, there's a band called, there's a record label called Tooth and Nail Records. Mm -hmm. um, there's a label called um, Victory Records. There's a Militia Group. It's like all these smaller labels. But all these bands that were on those labels are now coming back and doing these like anniversary tours. And so I got to see May. I got to see Armor for Sleep, which is this other band I used to like do some stuff with. It's like, and they're small troubadour type of, you know, they're small venues, but like these bands I've known since, you know, what, 2006, yeah. 2005. And now they're back and they're touring. Those are special to me because those are more here. Yeah. Like those are in my heart. You know, the production's small. It's a small club show. 
but to listen to these albums I had a part of or that really inspired me as a kid in yeah. music, like you can't really replace those memories. Mm. So those are special for me. Ah, brilliant answer. I would really appreciate and love hearing that answer. This has been such a brilliant conversation. I, I could talk about music with you probably for just days and on days. <laughs> so what's next? What do you got coming up as we start 2022? So Awake Through Sleep, our goal is to release our full-length album towards probably April of next year. Uh, that's the goal. And so everyone better believe that when we release this album, we're going to have, you know, I'm going to get us some shows lined up for sure. I'm one of those people, I like to do things in a certain process. So I don't like to book shows until we have the music out. Um, so album release probably April-ish of next year. That'll be a big, a big thing. And then I have a lot of, you know, I have a lot of people that work in the business. I want to try and get us on some shows late, probably like mid to late next year. There's no rush. I'd rather do it the right way. Um, but I do have my cover band, The Flannels, and we're booking a lot of shows right now for, for this year and next year. Mm -hmm. So we've got a couple of things to end up, you know, we're finishing up 2021 with those and then going into like 2022. We do a lot of stuff with the whiskey. Um, we're trying to get some fun local festivals uh, lined up, like whether it's like a beer festival or a music festival or something, you know, we want to try and book some fun, uh, some fun shows because we're like grunge alternative covers from the 90s and 2000s. So uh, I'm currently booking shows with that band, releasing stuff with, uh, with uh, Wake Your Sleep. And then I'm trying to work on my own EP cool. at the same time because I realized recently i guess that i want to do i love metal obviously um awake through sleep is metalcore it's very heavy but like we were talking about my influences were more pop punk emo rock kind of like that that style of music and so i have a lot of producer friends who focus on that music that style that genre and who have offered to help me out in writing my own maybe four or five song ep just just for myself um, so that's something I want to focus on for next year too. So maybe you'll see me release some stuff on my own without my band. Uh, that's, that's in the cards right now. So under my, my, uh, artist name. So fantastic. sounds like there's gonna be lots of opportunities to hear your voice and catch you on stage with all that going on. How can people stay up to date and how can they follow, follow your career? Yeah. So my personal Instagram, Nicole Rose sings. So it's funny because people were like, Nicole Rose, is that your name? I was like, well, my, I have two middle names. So Nicole Kimberly Rose Carson, that's my full name. So Nicole Carson was like, man, that sounds more like a business name. You know, I need something for like stage names. So my friend's like, you should use one of your middle names. So I did. So Nicole Rose Sings is my Instagram. Awake Through Sleep is my band's Instagram. Nicole, uh, Nicole Carson Music is my website. That I'm trying to get a new domain, but that's my website. And I basically link everything to, cool. to those. Um, so if it's not on my Instagram, it's on my website. Um, Fantastic. And Spotify is all linked. Man, I like your questions though. It's like, <laughs> I think like, I just always like to finish off these, like these things with just telling people, you know, like I'm 34, you know, I'm still doing, I'm still like changing who I am every day. You know, I just feel like you can't be afraid to be yourself. Like I always say, it's not about the followers. 
It's not about trying to be a different person. Uh, just be yourself. Like I'm always who I am all the time, even if I'm doing a production with work or if I'm doing business with a band. Um, Cause I do a lot of consulting with bands. So I do artist management. I do, um, you know, producing for videos and stuff. So I do a lot like on my own too. So you just always have to be yourself because the industry is all about connections and about networking and people don't want to see, don't want to work with you if you're not who genuine, like just be genuine, be yourself. I always like to say that to people. I like how you said that you're always changing because we're not meant to stay the same. When someone says to you, Hey, you've changed. You're like, good. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> like that's kind of how I am. It's like, like I mentioned, you know, life's too short. Mm -hmm. Like just, you have to ebb and flow with life. Yeah. So if you want to go write the album, then go write the album. If there's something holding you back, reach out to me and I'll tell you how to like get past it. Right. Cause I have a huge network of people that love music and they just truly love the creative process. Like it takes a, and you have to be patient. Like it takes a long time. Yeah. Songs don't just happen. I mean, well, some people they do. So lucky you guys. Right. But songs don't just happen in like a day. Yeah. Uh, it takes time. And that's part of what I love about being in a studio with people is like, you have a lot of creative minds and you're bouncing ideas off of each other. Mm -hmm. Like I've written new, new harmonies, new melodies to songs because I'm with certain people. And it's like, well, no, 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 try that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, that sounds good. No, add a harmony there. Now do that, right? Yeah. It's like this whole process of like just bouncing ideas. And so you just have to like let things happen. Honestly, just let things happen organically. But like create your path, yeah. I think is like really important. Sounds like, sounds like your life kind of ethos is life's short. So record the album, go to the show, adopt the dog. You know what? Yeah, like there. I've gone... I mean, I go to shows almost every night. Cool. I try to yeah. because I want to. And you're always looking for new ideas and to be inspired. Yeah, yeah support your friends. Yeah. You know, like my friends are now back on tour. You know, I've been blessed and I go to a lot of shows because like I have friends on the tour and I get to go and it's like I get to see these great productions and some cool stuff I want to do in my own shows. Mm -hmm. um, see friends again, you know, like, yeah, yeah like, I don't know. It's, who cares, man? I don't care what people think, you know, I mean, you, I feel like you can people do kind of care because that's what he, like, I feel like the human instinct is to try and please or like mm -hmm. to try and create this image. But like, like, you know, on Instagram, like social media, it's like, you know what, like followers are cool. Right. But I'm not going to like make myself stressed out if I can't post every day. Yeah. I'm not going to like worry about, if someone doesn't like what I post, okay, like that's fine. Don't yeah. like it, you know? So that's how I've learned to live. Just, I don't know. And my parents know it. Like she's going to like, I'm getting two new tattoos tomorrow, you know? And my parents is going, okay, well, she's going to do what she wants. She's allowed. She has a lot of energy. She, she knows what she wants and she's going to do it. And I feel like it's a good way to live your life. Yeah. Life's short. Get the tattoo. That's the other one. Life is too short. <laughs> Get the tattoo. You know, don't have regrets. Oh, and then I have to also say to people who want to get into screaming and who don't know how to do it, don't just try to do it. Um, there is a technique to it. 
and I don't want people to get hurt. So I've had, I've actually had people say like message me on Instagram and say, I tried to, you know, I tried to do the screamy thing and I like, now I can't speak. Okay. Well, I also do vocal lessons by the way. So I'm a vocal coach. So I'm happy to like help people who, especially with extreme stuff. Yeah. Um, so they, that they should message you that just through your Instagram. They can email me through my, so they can DM me. They can email me. Um, on my website, it has a link to email me. Okay. Uh, my website's linked to my Instagram. I guess Instagram's a good place to start. Okay. But I just tell people, let me help you because yeah. a lot of my vocal students now are scre- they're screaming. Yeah. They're learning how to develop that raspy kind of tone. Yeah. Um, please don't just try and do it. That's all I want to say. Please yeah. let me help you. <laughs> well, just brilliant. What an absolute joy to, to chat with you today really made my day uh thank you thank you for this thank you no thank you this has been fun well nicole rose this was this or nicole kimberly rose carson thank you this was <laughs> this was brilliant uh i look forward to chatting again but just thank you so much for today yeah no thank you i appreciate it all right bye, bye. thank you thank you thank you for listening much appreciation to nicole uh, she was fantastic i am looking forward to all the new music she's going to be releasing this year Stick around to the end of the episode to hear a snippet of one of her newest singles, Daddy's Falling Angel. Be sure to give her a follow on all social media. You can find her, Nicole Rose Sings, on Instagram. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento. <laughs>